This is episode 25 of season 3 of the Runner Girls podcast. On tonight's show, we'll be talking about celiac disease and running on a gluten-free diet. Hi, I'm Katie. I'm Megan. And I'm Sue, and this is Season 3 of Runner Girls, three women brought together by a love of running who are training to run a 5K in 30 minutes or less. And I am getting really excited about doing that. I've had a race this past weekend, and it's not quite 5K in 30 minutes or less yet, but it's definitely making me feel better about doing that. But before we get to the running stuff... uh, weather has been crazy here. I know we always start out talking about the weather, but I mean, it, that's that's what's going on for me. It's Tis snow. the season. Yes. <laughs> snow, snow, and then more snow. And uh, Katie, uh, yes. you, you guys got hit again, didn't you? We did. Uh, who would have thought that in South Carolina, I would be out of work for six days this winter because of ice? Wow. Yeah. So more ice then? Yeah, and this time it was actually a lot worse. Um, lots of down trees, limbs, power lines. Uh, one of the ladies that I work at school with, she lost power Tuesday evening and didn't get it back until Friday afternoon. Oh, wow. Yeah. So thankfully it's all melted now, but there's still a lot of cleanup and debris everywhere. Um, going for runs around my local park like I usually do the first time I could get out there after the ice storm it looked like a tornado had just come through I mean limbs and branches trees just totally uprooted or completely snapped really really crazy to see and especially here when it was happening you could just walk outside and hear everything snapping all around you that yeah that's pretty pretty scary when it happens Um, Mm -hmm. we're used to things like that up here but I imagine down there it's gonna be quite a shock (laughs) yeah and then on top of two earthquakes that we've had in South Carolina um you know just kind of wondering what's happening with the world Mm -hmm. oh my goodness yeah nothing major it was like a 4.2 I think um so just kind of a little whoa what was that wow yeah so did you enjoy your time off from school then um, yes and no. I mean, this time it was really severe, so I couldn't really get outside or get around and do anything. And with the threat of power outages, it was really more just sit and wait and hope that the power stays on. <laughs> and you didn't lose any, right? Thankfully, no. It blipped a couple of times, but it stayed on for me. Nice. Good. Yeah. Good. And Megan, how are you? You didn't get hit with anything, did you? No, we had rain, pretty heavy rain. Yeah. Um, one day last week, uh-huh. but today it was up to seventy-seven. So you know, wow. So, so last week and the week before, you were pretty drained. Are you doing any better? Are you still trying to get by? I am much better. I feel much better. I haven't run still, but I'm more in a mind frame to run. The weather was beautiful yesterday Mm -hmm. and I saw all these Saturday this weekend really and I saw all these people running and I for the first time in a long time really had this thought of I want to be outside running and so 
I know I'm back to that stage where running is good again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and instead of thinking about how stressful it is trying to fit it in, right. I miss it, which is always a good place to be. And how is the workload at school going? Mer. <laughs> Same. <laughs> yeah, it's not going to... Um, until we start getting into testing, really, it won't change yeah. because, like, so April-ish is about when it'll die down a little bit. So, and then we get into our standardized testing, and then it's the last month of school because they don't really care. They care, but they aren't as crazy about what you do after standardized testing. Mm-hmm. And so... Just trying to get by until then. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Because once we do our testing we've technically done like all this stuff we're supposed to do and they're the kids are at that point where they know they took their tests and so they're just waiting for the school year to be over and teachers are at that point and life is at that point because well they started the whole grading system in Florida grading the schools based on test scores and that's all they base it on student test scores and schools get money more or less based on their school grade. That's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. <laughs> it's going to, it's, no, I won't, I won't. I'll t- it'll turn into a rant. <laughs> I, just, I was just kind of like, bite tongue. Agree. <laughs> yeah. That's why I was just very, this is what's happening. Mm-hmm. So, okay. I mean, it's, is what it is. Well, how's Luna doing? She is um, a pain in the neck. (laughs) Okay. She has started chewing up the carpet from the floor, (gasps) including the carpet padding underneath the carpet. Oh, Oh, no. no. (sighs) And this is at your rented apartment, right? Yeah, you know. (sighs) That thing we, we, they charge you money for replacing stuff for. Yeah. Luckily, we're planning on living here for two years, so generally they're a little bit nicer on you, you know, because they understand the carpet's going to be more damaged in two years than it would be in one, mm-hmm. and we paid a security deposit, Yeah, and that's what Brad keeps telling me. He's like, that's what the security deposit is for. I'm like, she chews the baseboards. <laughs> and that's, Is that normal? Brad asked the vet, and apparently the vet said, it's just normal puppy chewing. Don't worry about it. You need to have the dog whisperer come in. (laughs) I'm worried because, like, she poops more wood and random (laughs) crap than, like, anything else. She she started chewing the foam out of the couch. Like, she ate the arm of the couch, which is wood and foam. Oh my and god! That's was her meal for like four days last week. I, I love her, but oh my gosh! Would trying to get more fiber or something? <laughs> I guess, but it's like I feed her the Purina puppy food, right? So it's not like I even get her store brand. She gets Purina. Maybe I need to switch to store brand. Maybe you can put something on. The um, I watch, <laughs> I watch my cat from hell, the, <laughs> the show where the, the the guy the cat behaviorist guy comes in and like fixes people's cats for them. 
Um, you know, since we got a cat, we just started watching that show. We love it. But one thing that he said, like, if the cat's, like, jumping up onto a table or something, put, like, something sticky on it, and so the cat won't want to get on there anymore, um, like, some kind of, like, double-sided tape or something. So maybe you could do something like that with your furniture, and your dog won't chew on it. Yeah, and I know they have the flavor stuff, where you can spray it and it tastes bad. Yeah. And then the dogs don't want to chew on it because they chew on it and it tastes bad. But it's a microfiber couch. I mean, not that I really care about the couch at this point. Well, if he's ripping it up, I mean. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So, but the carpet, I don't know what I'm going to do. She chews paper, too. I wish she'd choose one thing because then I could watch for that one thing. Does she have a lot of toys? Yes. She just would rather chew not toys. Do you give her, like, those um, bones, like the rawhide bones that you Yes. Can... Yeah. Okay. Yep, and she's gone through one and a half. <laughs> and if we chew, if we throw the other one with her, she'll remember it. But if we aren't, like, she'll do it at night when we're sleeping. So, and I can't watch her. So she waits until we're asleep. Because she knows she shouldn't be doing it. Wow. She's a pain in the neck. I love her. <laughs> pain in the neck. But she's cute. Um, she's really active, so I know she'll be good to run with. Mm-hmm. Because you can play with her for like a full forty-five minutes, thirty minutes, and you end up more tired than she is. That's that's what you need to do. Because that's another thing that the, the the cat guy says. Like, if you play with your pet, then they'll be too exhausted to do anything at night. Yeah, but how I play with her, Brad will play with her for thirty minutes, like tugging and. On ropes and everything. Take her out running. (laughs) I can't do it for like 12 to 18 months. I've got two or three more months left. She's still little. That's right. You killed our internet. Oh, yeah. She (laughs) chewed through the ethernet cables. Oh, my goodness. I'd be so afraid she would electrocute herself. I'm just thinking of that scene in National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation (laughs) where the cat cat. eats the Christmas lights. (laughs) Don't do that, Luna. Don't do that. (laughs) I mean, I love our animals, and I don't know what I'd do without them, but I... She kills me. (laughs) So that's my excitement for the week. Oh. Well, um... I... I I can't really compare anything to that. I mean, my cat is like an angel. She's awesome. Um... (laughs) She, like, curls up under the blankets with me. <laughs> She's sweet. Um, yeah, like, we're all just in love with her now. It's it's kind of funny. Like, we we obsess over her. All of us. <laughs> it's ridiculous. Um, all right, so, uh, well, we're all doing good, getting by, and um, all looking forward to nicer weather, except Megan, who finally has nicer weather. <laughs> and uh, let's talk about our running, huh? Sounds good. Okay. <laughs> All right, well, Megan, I think we got the gist of what you've been up to. <laughs> yeah. Um, hoping to get out for a run this week, maybe? Yes. And I um, set up, I counted back from our May 18th half. Mm-hmm. And for exactly 12 weeks to start a new half marathon plan would begin next week. Okay. And are you, do you think you're going to try the Runner's World Smart Coach plan again? No, I actually picked up the Hal Higdon Novice 2. 
Okay. Which is four days a week of running, mm-hmm. and it doesn't have any speed work, so it's the one I kind of used to train for my first half. Right, yes. So it's um, one that I know is something that'll work for me-ish. Yeah, manageable. As much as anything will work for me, it seems. And it's Hal Higdon, so it's tried and true plan. Yeah. Well, that's great. And so um, what does the first week start out with? Is that like um, three mile runs? Yeah, I think it's three, four, three, four. That's, oh, that's not it. That's decent. Yeah, it starts me out at 15 miles per week. Yeah, it's three, 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 four. So that's 13 miles. Okay. And then I get up to 23. A tw- 23 is the, like the max? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that sounds about what I remember. Well, I hope that you are able to find time to get some of those runs in then. So you wouldn't be, would you be starting this this week or next week, did you say? Next week? The plan starts next week, but I'm going to try to get at least one or two runs in this week. Good. Good. Awesome. All right. Well, we'll find out how that goes next week. And Katie, how about you? You were flooded with more ice. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Did you get some runs in? Um, Over the past two weeks. Oh, yes, we have. We've been gone for two weeks. Right, with the uh, the ice storm that happened last week, that definitely put a damper on my running plans. Um, last week, unfortunately, I could only get in one run, and it was three miles. I, I wanted to just kind of go out there and, and feel good about my run. On the upside, though, it was much faster than my other runs had been, so nice. glasses half full kind of mentality here. I'm taking that. Good. And the week before that, I actually did really well. I got three runs in total for a total weekly mileage of 16. Nice. I did a four-mile run on Monday, a five-mile run on Wednesday, and then my long seven-mile run on Saturday, Um, all of which were pretty close in pace. The long run, I did do some walking, um, but the majority of the other two were spent running or at least running like to four miles or four and a half and then maybe taking a little breather before I finished running so overall really really good uh hoping to continue on my streak of sticking to the running plan this is a new feeling for me so (laughs) I'm enjoying it and really trying hard still taking the running clothes to work with me um I know this week it'll be a little difficult because it's our final week of mock trial So we've got practice Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and then our competition is Saturday. And basically, we will be at the courthouse for 12 hours all day on Saturday. Yeah. So it doesn't leave a whole lot of extra time for me to run this week, but I'm really going to try to just squeeze it in when I can and definitely plan on getting my long run in this weekend. Uh, either Friday or Sunday, because I know Saturday will be totally off the grid. Yeah. Um, and this week's long run is an eight-miler wow. with with two five-milers during the week. Wow. Okay. Wow. Yeah. So that's a that's full plate. Um, yes. I'm, wow. I'm very much looking forward to next week when mock trial is over. <laughs> Great. <laughs> Well, I, yeah, I'm really impressed with you sticking to your plan. And, like, you said two weeks ago you did 16 miles for the week. 
Yes. Uh, I also did 16 miles for the week that week. Oh, awesome. Yeah. Um, so that, that's cool. I didn't have a seven mile long run though. I, I went up to six. Um, but in my runs are mostly shorter because I have been running every day. Um, right. so you've been putting in some like decent, like midweek runs then like four yes. or five milers. Mm-hmm. Wow. Good. Good. And so, and obviously you're seeing some improvement from that with your pace coming down. Right. A little bit, not, yeah. not a huge improvement and definitely not back as low as I have previously been. But like I said, the one run that I was able to get in last week um, was hovering right around the 13 minute mark. So I'm hoping I can just slowly but surely keep bringing that down. And And honestly, like we've talked about, Sue, I'm just really focusing on getting the runs done. Yeah. And I think you'll find, like, these are just training runs, so I think you'll find, like, after a couple of consistent weeks of training, like, if you get any 5Ks coming up, I think that you'll be pleasantly surprised with your race pace after, you know, running these nice, easy training runs. Mm-hmm. I hope so. Awesome. And so you said you're doing eight miles for your long run? Yes. Awesome. Eight miles for the long run this weekend. Nice. All right, Katie. I'm excited for you. Great. Woohoo. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, I have con- been continuing my um, February run streak. Uh, I'm currently at day 17, I think. And, awesome. Yeah. Um, it's going really well, actually. Like, I keep kind of like wondering uh, at which point I'm going to break down, basically, like expecting my body to fall apart just because I'm super paranoid now from my past. But it's going pretty well. Uh, that last week, uh, two weeks ago, I had ran every day, mostly um, one, two, three mile runs. And then my long run was a, an, a six miler. I want to say that was my second six miler with um, Amy. We did two runs. No, I guess the first one I did with her was five miles. So we did a five miler um, three weeks ago, but this this week that I'm talking about, we did a six mile run um, up Central Avendover, which was the first half was all uphill. And then the second half, thankfully, was all downhill. Um, and it went really well. And I didn't walk at all and didn't feel tired. Like it just felt good. It felt really, really good. Um, and then this week, this past week, I did more um, two, three mile runs during the week. And then long run on Saturday of six and a half miles. I hadn't quite decided if I was going to go for seven. Um, I wanted to do either six or seven, but I was a little afraid to push my mileage too much. So, um, and I actually ran out of time. I would have gone for seven because at the end of six and a half, I felt pretty good. But I made it six and a half miles and no walking. I haven't walked during a run in weeks like in a long time I don't think I've walked at all in February so um, I think I'm doing pretty well in that area Um, and the great thing is since I've been running every day my easy runs are actually starting to feel easy like it's feeling good again and I love that part um, where it's not like trudge 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 where it's actually like oh this is fun and I feel good and I can keep running forever Um, and then on Sunday we had a um, race that was 2.5k so basically half of a 5k it was um me jeff ethan and anna all ran it but we decided that um 
we weren't going to like try to stick together. We were just going to run it as fast as we wanted to. So basically it started out with me and Anna running together and then Jeff and Ethan behind us. Jeff was going pretty easy because he was afraid um, of how his knee would deal with it. But he actually held up pretty well. He said he didn't have any knee pain and Anna and I ran the whole thing. Um, the first half was uphill and then the second half was downhill and I tell you that second half I was flying (laughs) I felt really good so I ended up finishing it in 17 minutes I don't have my official time yet because it wasn't chip timed and they um, they aren't finished with the results yet they have to uh, determine the exact results according to my GPS watch it was about 17 minutes I was aiming for 16, but I was pretty happy with 17 because I felt like um, I ran it well and actually probably could have ran a little faster, but I was afraid to let Anna get too far behind me. Like, I didn't want to lose sight of her. Just like paranoid, you know, mom stuff. But but it went really well and uh, I felt great afterward and made me feel a lot better about my pace coming down during races because I averaged like... 1037 pace um which my training runs have all been like 13 14 15 minute miles so Mm -hmm. um I was really happy to see that again I'm not quite where I was before but I can definitely tell that I'm getting there so so that was a great end to the week and uh, I made 20 miles this past week and going into a um 24 mile week next week but it's kind of, even though I'm going to be running every day, it's sort of going to be a cutback week for me because I'm not going to do a super long run. I think I'm going to end up only doing about another six mile long run. And, um, I was really getting excited about, um, signing up for my fall marathon and I'm going to go into this a little bit more in my recommends, but, um, I was, you know how I was kind of undecided about whether I was going to do the, um, the marathon that's local to my area because it was a first time race. Right. So um, I went online and I found a website um, that gives reviews about different marathons. And so I found one that's close to me that's the same month that's flat, fast, and had really good reviews uh, called the Bay State Marathon in Lowell, Massachusetts. So I was like, oh, this is it. This is the one I'm going to do. This is going to be my fall marathon. So I had pretty much decided that's the one I was going to do until I uh, was on Reddit one day and somebody happened to mention that they were using the Hanson's Marathon Method Beginner Plan. And I had been interested in the Hanson's Method for a long time because I like the idea of it's lots of running but not extremely long runs for marathon training like most marathon training plans go to 20 miles or 22 miles Hanson's goes to 16 but it's based on cumulative fatigue they tire you out during the week so that when you go to your long run you're already running on tired legs to simulate the last half of a marathon basically so I'd always been interested in that as a marathon method but I thought that that was more of an advanced kind of training. Um, So when I found out they had a beginner plan, I was like, oh, I want to look into that. So I bought the book. uh, I downloaded it to my iPad. It was like 10 bucks. And I read through the whole thing. And I was like, I I read that book and I was like, I can do this now. (laughs) 
I thought about it and I was like, when it talks about what base you need to do the beginner plan, and I'm like, I have a base, you know, I've been running for like eight, ten weeks now, running regularly, I'm running every day, so I'm getting up to that point of like cumulative fatigue where um, my body's used to running every day now. Right. Um, and I thought about it even more and I decided like, you know, I'm planning on opening the bakery this spring. Once I open the bakery, I'm going to have less time to train for a marathon. I have a ton of time now. What if I do it now? And so I went to this website and I said, well, let me see if there's any marathons in the area this spring. And I found one. It's actually um, completely full, but they had a wait list. And so I'm like, that's perfect. I'll sign up for the wait list. And if I get through, then I'm running it. And if not, then I'll train for a fall marathon. And so I registered and I paid the race fee. And um, it said basically that if you, they said if 75 people drop out, like they, they will, they, they fill up to like, they expect about like 75 people typically drop out and then they add 75 people to the wait list. That's the average. And so I checked where I was on the wait list. I'm number 12. <laughs> oh. oh, so there's a good chance I'm running a marathon this spring. And, um, the day of the marathon is May 11th. It's the main coast marathon. It's in Kennebunk. It's actually the weekend before the half marathon that we're all doing together. And so you're going to possibly run a marathon one weekend and a half marathon the next. Yes. Holy crap, Sue. <laughs> that's like awesome. I hope it works out for you. That, <laughs> that, that makes my legs tired. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it would be my first. So who knows how it will go. And one of the reasons why I really thought this was going to be a good plan, besides the fact that the long runs only go up to 16 miles, um, you know, I'm a really, really slow runner for my for my long runs for my easy runs um if I did a regular marathon training plan and I did 20 mile long runs I'd probably be out there for five or six hours this way it might be like four hours you know so that's Mm -hmm. that's quite a decrease in injury risk as far as I'm concerned plus I'm used to running every day it's going to be six days a week lots of mileage the mileage like ramps up so I'm, I'm already at the perfect place right now for me to jump in around week six or week seven. So that's pretty much what I've been doing. I worked it out into my plan. Next week, I'm going into, uh, I forget which week of the plan it is, but it's whatever plan, whichever week has 24 miles in it. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm already training for my marathon and I'm fully expecting to be running one on May 11th. So, so yeah, that's it. I'm excited. It, the marathon itself, the Maine Coast Marathon, is um, very close to where I live. It's like a 40-minute drive. I could drive there myself, and uh, it's an area I'm familiar with. It's going to be along the beach. It's going to be really nice. And, uh, yeah, uh, I was really not expecting <laughs> to just jump in like this, and um, I, I actually feel like this is going to be really good. I'm feeling strong right now. I'm stronger than I have ever been. I've been going to the gym. I've been working out at home. Uh, I feel like now's the time to do it. And then I get it out of the way before I open the bakery. Mm-hmm. And I won't have that, you know, that won't that won't be uh, a pressure later in the fall, you know. So, so, yeah, that's the plan. Oh, and the other thing I wanted to say about Hanson's is that every single um, report – 
I've read on Reddit or on other websites about people using Hansen's marathon method, um, they all like kill their times. Like, um, some people, like if it's their second or third marathon, get like 20, 40 minute PRs. If it's their first marathon, they, they hit their goal time more often than not. And nearly everyone I read said they did it without bonking, without hitting the wall. So, um, and that's kind of the point of this plan where it, it, it teaches you to run on tired legs so that once you hit those last six miles of the marathon, like your legs already know what to do. It's, it, it, and it's easy. So, well, maybe not easy. <laughs> I'm right. not expecting yeah. my first marathon to be easy. I'll tell you that. Um, but I hope, I hope that this will work and I'm, I'm excited for it. So. So yeah, that's my um, that's my big news, and uh, that was my running for this week. And then next week we'll be um, running every day. The first few weeks of um, Hanson's it calls for five days a week running. So I modified um, the first few weeks just a little bit just to get me through the end of February. Um, after February, I'm not going to continue the running streak. I'm going to stick to the plan. That's one thing that I decided if I'm going to do this marathon training plan, I'm going to follow it exact because I don't want to screw it up. Um, and so after, uh, February's over, I'm just doing it as it's written. And right now what I'm doing instead is on my what are supposed to be my rest days, just taking really easy, short one-mile runs and shortening some of the other runs during the week. So, so that's it. Well, that's awesome, Sue. Good luck on everything. Thanks. <laughs> we'll see. Um, but anyway, so the marathon plan, like training plan, completely changes the training that I was doing for the half marathon. It's still going to work out well. I'm just going to go from six mile runs to eight mile runs to 10 mile runs, like three, two or three weeks in a row of 10 mile runs. And then the, my half marathon, cause I'm still running the run for the border half marathon in March. So that'll okay. be my first spring half. And then I was going to do another spring half marathon, but uh, in April, but I'm not going to do that one. I'll focus on the marathon stuff. And then after the marathon run, the um, run the half with you girls and thankfully I don't know if we mentioned this on the show before but the superhero half marathon has a relay option so um if worse comes to worse maybe I can get one of you girls to relay with me yeah (laughs) so I won't have to do the whole distance you could get Brad to relay with you Ooh, or that has has Brad been thinking about running it at all or no No, he was gonna leave it to us girls uh-huh. He's going to stay out of it, but I'm sure if you needed somebody to relay it with you, yeah. I could get him to do it, to take one for the runner girls. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's funny because I totally forgot to say this earlier, but we have an 8K planned this weekend. Oh, really? Yeah, which is five miles. So if he can do five miles this weekend run walking, I'm sure he can relay it up for <laughs> half in May. So is his is it are his knees still bothering him? No, they're good. He hasn't had any issues with it. We both just haven't been running. Been running, right. So it's and it was the only um February race that works into our schedule. Mm-hmm. So it's part of the Gasparilla stuff. It's just um the Saturday the five K is Saturday morning at nine. Oh, it's the same weekend as the half marathon, the Gasparilla? Yeah. It's actually after the half marathon. Oh, nice. 
so it's part of the Gasparilla races and we we're gonna do the 5k but it doesn't work into our schedule because it doesn't start until 9 on a Saturday which is really late for races here yeah and it will be and, hot then right yeah and granted the 8k doesn't start until 9 on Sunday but we don't have anything planned on Sunday oh so that makes it a little bit easier well, that's cool. I can't wait to hear about that next week. I can't either, as long as it goes better than my last five-mile race. <laughs> <laughs> Refresh my memory. What happened? Vitamin water. Oh, right. All right. Well, don't drink that. Um, was that, that wasn't um, the Gasparilla, though. That was a different mm, one. Yeah, that was a, dis- a different one. Okay. All right. So, so you should be good. Yeah, Gasparilla's run really, really well, so I'm not worried about it. Awesome. All right, well, what do you say we move along to our weekly topic? Absolutely. This week, we are talking about celiac disease and running gluten-free. And originally, um, the reason this was brought up on the show was, Megan, you were concerned that you might have some gluten sensitivities. Yes. And did you get to find out anything more about that yet or no? No, I haven't gotten the official blood test back for celiac from my doctor. I haven't gone to see her again, Mm -hmm. but I know I have a gluten sensitivity just from the timing of when I feel bad and when I eat gluten. So do you mind if I ask, like, what are your symptoms? I get really tired sometimes. Mm -hmm. Like, you can tell an instant change when I eat gluten some nights where I'm perfectly awake and able to do things and then I eat gluten and I immediately want to just go to sleep. Crash. Yeah, I crash. Um, I deal with chronic headaches. I am tired a lot and I have uh, digestion, stomach stuff. Yeah. Like gas and all that fun stuff. Mm. All right. Well, um, well, we'll get into the topic, but bef- before I do, I just wanted to say... Oh, and that was something else I wanted to ask you too, Katie. Um, are you still doing the low-carb, the keto diet? I am. And um, how are you doing on it? Are you feeling good still? I'm still feeling good. Um, the weight loss is definitely plateaued. Yeah. I've, I've been stuck at the same weight for the past two weeks, so that's been really kind of frustrating, but... Uh, I'm feeling good. The The energy level is feeling pretty normal now when I'm running and stuff throughout the day. So, And the more I read about it, the more that you see that the stall is pretty normal and just yeah. to keep keep, keep on keeping on. So post, that's what I'm doing. They, they call it post-induction stall syndrome. Um, and I went through that too. And then um, it was like two weeks where it was either not my weight wasn't changing or it was going up and going down and going up and not really making any progress. Um, right. And then that's when I started doing No Way February, which, by the way, I made it to February 5th on that. <laughs> <laughs> Five um, days is better than none. Yes. But then I found out I lost two pounds and then um, I, I've been continuing. I actually hit my goal weight. Um, nice. I lost 25 pounds. Um, and so I'm pretty much done with keto um i'm gonna be i actually started taking in carbs again the other day and then was feeling really crappy afterwards so i think i am gonna stay more low carb but more paleo i'll probably be eating some fruit but trying to stay away from um more of the the grain side and the sugar sugary treats um and 
not thinking about the fact that I'm about to open a bakery right now. <laughs> right, right. And that was about how long did it take you to do that, Sue? Um, three months because I started November 15th. Okay. And, um, well, I had the baby November 15th, so I didn't start November 15th. Um, the first first 10 pounds I lost like in the first 10 days after delivery through pumping breast milk and then after I stopped pumping I stopped losing weight and that's when I started doing keto so I actually lost 15 pounds on keto in two probably two and a half months okay because I'm right now at the one month mark Mm -hmm. and I've lost 10 pounds but it's been stuck there so yeah it it, you'll get over it though um and just make sure that you're you're you know really on track of your macros try not to take in too much protein that's the easy thing to get tripped up on I think right so um but I imagine you know all about all that so um so yeah the, the only other thing I wanted to say about keto is that you know while the whole time I was on it like no afternoon crashes no sugar crashes anymore like just constant normal energy throughout the day which is really nice Mm -hmm. all right so getting back to running gluten-free and celiac disease we will get into our article and um i know we said this before but we will have all of the links to the articles that we are referencing in our show notes so i believe they're from active.com runner's world and running.competitor.com all right so Gluten is a combination of two proteins, gliadin and glutenin. Both are found in the endosperm of the wheat, barley, and rye plants. Gluten is the protein that nourishes wheat during germination from seed to plant. The glutenin in wheat flour gives dough its elasticity and allows leavening. Glutenin also contributes to the chewiness of baked goods. For many people, these proteins do not digest appropriately and the body reacts with a variety of symptoms. Some of the most common symptoms of a gluten intolerance are unexplained aches, fatigue, headaches, joint or muscle pain, bloating, or other digestion problems. Gluten intolerance, also known as celiac disease, is a condition which has been gaining recognition as a contributing factor in many health issues. New evidence suggests that as many as 1 in 10 people are gluten sensitive or gluten intolerant. Many autoimmune illnesses may also be associated with gluten intolerance such as fibromyalgia, chronic fatigue, rheumatoid arthritis, thyroid disorders, and diabetes. About 1% of the North American population is estimated to have celiac disease. Celiac disease is currently described as damage to and malabsorption of nutrients in the small intestine. Gluten may inflict damage on other areas of the body as well. Some athletes believe that following a gluten-free diet has performance-enhancing advantages. The reason is that athletes choose high glycemic, refined, or processed carbohydrates as a quick recovery food. Most of these choices contain gluten. When these foods are eliminated from the diet, the benefits outweigh the risks. Elevated performance results from a diet that is low glycemic index, high fiber, and adequate in lean protein. The rationale behind why many athletes follow gluten-free diets is basically to ease unappealing digestive symptoms during competition. Improved digestion leads to improved absorption of nutrients, which can then translate into improved performance. 
Based on anecdotal evidence, it appears that there is potential for improved performance in athletes who eat a gluten-free diet, even if they are not diagnosed with an allergy or celiac disease. Not all of them are gluten intolerant, but have become gluten-free eaters with the reasoning that the root problem of gluten intolerance is the inflammation that occurs when gluten is metabolized by the body. Thus, it's also being dubbed the anti-inflammatory diet. Training wisely is a positive stressor on the muscles. No avoiding inflammation there. But needlessly adding another inflammatory provoking element to your regimen, logically, wouldn't seem to be doing you any favors. Runners also are no strangers to GI distress, don't we know it, and a gluten-free diet could be your answers to both of these dilemmas. The main reason it's called an anti-inflammatory diet is because it usually forces you to eliminate many processed foods, including every packaged cracker, cookie, bread, cake, pasta, cereal, and most deep-fried and battered foods, said Krista Austin, Ph.D., Usually, if you do a gluten-free nutrition plan right, you end up replacing these with fruits, vegetables, lean proteins, and other healthy foods such as yogurt, nut butters, hummus, quinoa, etc. Bottom line, we eat cleaner, more naturally found foods, and thus inflammation goes down. Following a gluten-free diet does show some advantages. With gluten removed, the body's immune system can rest and absorption can be restored. The body can then function at optimal levels and repair muscles more efficiently. Two, the hypoglycemic effect that results from intense exercise is minimized. And three, a gluten-free diet helps to maintain a stable blood sugar level during exercise, which is optimal for an increase in muscle strength and stamina. So we also have some tips for living gluten-free. Katie? There are three here that I have, and the first one is to emphasize the foods which are naturally gluten-free, such as vegetables, fruits, starchy vegetables, legumes, and certain whole grains. Number two, choose fresh vegetables or frozen without sauce, fresh, dried, or frozen fruits, all varieties of fresh corn, potatoes, and squash, dried beans and lentils, those are your legumes, whole grains such as certified gluten-free breads, cereals, pastas, granola, oats, millet, quinoa, oh, I don't know that one, amaranth, Arm, amaranth sorghum, teff, corn, oh my goodness, corn tortilla, corn tortilla <laughs> tapioca, all varieties of rice, eggs, organic tofu, all natural nut butters, cold pressed oils and vinegars and number three read the food labels the food allergen labeling and consumer protection act states that wheat must be on the food label if wheat is used in the food this is not true for barley and rye food manufacturers do not have to label foods that contain barley or rye if you are unsure about a product's ingredients avoid it Labels must be read every time that you purchase food. Manufacturers can change ingredients at any time. And follow these steps to ensure that every packaged food that you buy is gluten-free. Look for gluten-free clearly labeled on the packaging. If it is labeled certified gluten-free, then it is safe. Read the allergen statement. If the product contains wheat, put the food down and look for another option. 
If the product does not contain wheat, then look for a statement regarding the facility in which the food was processed. If the food was processed in a factory that also processes wheat, put the food down and look for another option. And again, manufacturers do not have to list if it contains barley or rye, so be aware of that also. And avoiding cross-contamination. Tiny amounts of gluten hidden in foods will cause damage to the intestinal lining. Avoid and that's again if you have celiac. If you're just doing gluten-free as an anti-inflammatory diet, then some of the other issues may not be there. So avoid cross-contamination in your home and when eating outside of your home. If you live alone, throw out or give away anything that contains gluten or could have been contaminated with gluten, such as peanut butter or mayonnaise. If you live with others, place vividly colored stickers on gluten-free foods. Discard wooden cooking utensils, cutting boards, and non-stick pans that may be contaminated with gluten. Use soap and water liberally. Clean dishes and utensils very well to remove gluten. Keep your sponge clean. At the market, avoid bulk bins with shared scoops. Flour sifters and mesh colanders should not be shared with gluten-containing flours. And deep-fried foods cooked in oil shared with breaded products should not be consumed. Wow. That's like hardcore safety prevention. <laughs> I'm just thinking like there is it's like they're really concerned with cross contamination, like even the tiniest amount of gluten apparently is um can bring up issues for people. And I think that would be for the people who suffer severe celiac yeah. disease, right? Otherwise that's that would be very time consuming for just somebody who's trying to do a gluten free diet to undertake. Yeah. Yeah, because some people with the severe celiac, they um, know right away as soon as they eat gluten, and uh. they can immediately tell. And there's a whole slew of people who don't believe in celiac, and so they people go to restaurants and cooks don't honor the request or the allergy. Hmm. So what do you do if you're living with this allergy or intolerance? Well, it's going to be natural to mourn old food habits for a period of time after being diagnosed with celiac disease or gluten intolerance. But stay focused on all the foods that you can eat and appreciate how your diet, health, and sport may improve. So, Megan, um, since you've been suspecting that you have this issue, have you been taking any of these steps to try to reduce gluten and what have you been eating? Because I know before when Katie and I talked about keto, you're like, what do you eat? <laughs> yeah. Well, I've been, we've been cooking a lot more. Mm-hmm. And so it's been a lot more meat and rice because rice is gluten free. Sure. So I haven't been eating hardly any pasta, which has been really big. And instead of wheat bread, we've been eating potato bread. Okay. Do you like it? What, I, yeah, I've always liked potato bread, so that one wasn't that hard for me. Mm-hmm. It just meant I moved away from wheat to potato, which I don't know if it's healthier, but it doesn't cause as many issues. Sure. And then um, that's a lot of what we've done, which has helped a lot. And I eat, like, um, my smoothies and stuff for breakfast are all fruit and yogurt nice. and milk. So they don't have any of the weed in it or the um, gluten. I'm trying to think what else. I haven't been as good as I could be if I was going full gluten free mm-hmm. because I haven't really been trying to. Right. So have you noticed any difference like on the days that you do consume less gluten? 
yeah, I feel better overall and the digestion issues aren't as big of an issue. Good. And I notice more the difference when I do eat gluten. Like today I had oatmeal for lunch, so. So even if your test comes back negative, like you still know like, oh, the the way that I've been eating's actually been helping me feel better and, and at least you have like something you can do about it. Yeah, because I may not have celiac, which is the autoimmune disorder, mm-hmm. where your um, intestines actually are damaged on the inside because the what happens is your cells attack the gluten in your intestines and so it is that the same as leaky gut i don't know i don't think so a friend of mine no a friend of mine was talking about leaky gut syndrome and how like she's like going completely gluten-free and um clean eating and whatnot i didn't know if that was the same anyway i'm sorry yeah, and so, but there's um, celiac, which is the autoimmune disorder, and then there's people with just gluten insensitivities and um, intolerances, and there's varying levels mm-hmm. of it too. Some people are really, really sensitive, and some people aren't sensitive, and then it's tied to all kinds of things. Like some people with celiac are also um, they are allergic to they're lactose intolerant. Because their body isn't used, it just starts to a point where it doesn't handle processed, some of the more irritating foods very well. Right. And because we drink cow's milk, it's more irritating to humans than some other stuff. So it's been a learning a lot about food. Yeah. And the way food is made and stuff. And I've always been, if we could afford it, we'd eat it a lot more natural fresh stuff than processed stuff do you guys um oh you're in florida so you have nice nice weather most of the year so do you guys uh, like go to like farmers markets and look for stuff there or no we do and some of um we're also being in a big city like we are Mm -hmm. we also get the um like hipster farmers markets okay where it's like we're cool we go to a farmer's market and they don't really pay attention to the fact that the farmer's market isn't more affordable or anything. Like, people... I'm trying to say this without sounding judgy. <laughs> but, like, some people will raise the price on a farmer's market just because they know the type of people that are going there are going there because they'd rather say they bought their food at a farmer's market <laughs> than caring about where they the food came from. So you don't think think it's because it's, like, maybe, like, organic and it costs more to... Well, because there's other organic markets where it's not... So we have a lot of them, and it's finding the ones that are good versus the ones that are trying to charge people money. Hey, yeah, (laughs) just because they don't know better. And so it's been a learning. And luckily, we live in a um, poor part of town. Mm Mm-hmm where a lot of Hispanics live. So we get the cultural side with farmer's markets and stuff mm-hmm. where we get to go, um, if we go eventually, we'll get to go to the um, international markets and stuff, which are less expensive and they usually have a wider variety of food, like right. quinoa that is hard to find at Walmart, right. but it's more international. And they often have um, fresher food and there's a farmer's market just a couple miles away that we have to try but brad and i both aren't very good about trying new things 
<laughs> and so we just haven't gotten up the nerve. And I like my food, so I always have the worry of getting something and then not liking it or it being bad. And then, well, if you if you buy foods that you're familiar with, like you know whatever fruits and vegetables you usually use in your smoothies, and um, you know, you know what I mean, like just yeah, exactly. I think if you're sticking to less processed stuff anyway, you you pretty much know what you're getting. Um, but if you're going for like looking for like gluten-free breads and pastas, then that might be more of a toss-up. But I don't know. Yeah. So that'll be. We'll have to go, and we've been buying a lot of fresh stuff from Walmart, mm-hmm. which granted probably isn't the best place to go to get non-pesticide, whatever stuff. But we've been trying to do the trick of shopping the outside. Yeah. Which has been helping more. And really it's come down to meal planning and thinking about recipes and what we can make in the crock pot and cook. Like we started just making for lunches just um, chicken with rice and broccoli, which is really easy and really healthy and doesn't really take anything to make. And we can portion it out ahead of time and eat it. And that doesn't have any gluten. I was trying to think of high protein stuff and meal planning is hard. Yeah, it is. (laughs) When you are, you know, attempting a new way of eating, then you definitely have to plan ahead. You can't just stop at McDonald's anymore. And I only mention that because I went to McDonald's this week since I wasn't dieting anymore. (laughs) Yeah. And then, and then afterward I felt like crap, like the rest of the day. And I was like, Oh, why am I doing this? Like, it's stupid. And then, of course, I gained back, like, two more pounds of water weight, so. Yeah, I do that every time I go out and get fast food because I didn't make lunch ahead of time or because I was hungry and out, and I always get mad at myself. I'm always like, why did I put myself through this again? Because your body needs energy and you got to give it something, you know? Yeah, and then I'm just like, why did I leave the house without making food? I knew I needed to eat. Why did I just say I'd be fine? I've I've started, um, I get like little, um, like some of the packaged stuff that I get would be like the 100 calorie packs of nuts, like the emeralds nuts, and um, I get like to-go little cups of like tuna fish, because when I was doing keto, I would want to eat like meat and then a vegetable, and like I would snack on like nuts and stuff, so I get like little things like that, or like a cheese stick, you know, and, and you could just throw those in your bag and then you have something to snack on during the day. And usually if there's a good amount of protein in it, then it keeps you full for a little while, which is nice. So, so yeah, planning ahead is very important when you are attempting a, 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 a change in eating habits, I think. Mm-hmm. And it's, with it being restrictive too, it requires all that much more planning. Yeah. Because it's so hard to find gluten-free stuff just popular. Yeah. Anywhere. True. All right. Well, that I think wraps up gluten-free diets and celiac disease. And um, I think it's interesting that athletes like train on a gluten-free diet because they think that'll enhance their performance because that was something I hadn't heard before. But very interesting. All right. And um, Katie, that was something else I meant to ask you. How do how do you feel like your energy is as far as running goes with low carb? At first, it was a big adjustment mm-hmm. um, 
definitely felt like I had a lot less energy. Legs felt really, really heavy, especially toward the end of my run. Mm -hmm. It was like I was dragging cement blocks, you know, it just was really, really low. But as time has gone on, I feel like my body's adapted to it. And really, I don't notice any kind of um, lull in my energy during the day. So even when I'm running, I don't feel like, oh, my God, I'm never going to get this done, you know, yeah. even on the, on the long runs that I've been doing on the weekends. So it definitely takes an adjustment period. Don't think you can go into it and your body's going to be like, this is awesome. No, <laughs> it's, it's going to have to adjust. But as of right now, I'm feeling good. My energy level feels um, maybe just a little less than it was before I went keto. Um, and I'm only basing that on pace. I feel like if I pushed it a lot faster right now that I wouldn't be able to get the long runs done. So I'm a little slower, but overall energy level feels good now. Good. Yeah. And I think that's, you know, if you're keeping your runs aerobic, it's going to be more, you know, obviously it's going to be slower if you're, than if you're going in aerobic and doing like a tempo run, that would be a lot more difficult where you don't have the glycogen in your muscles anymore because it's gone now. Um, So good. I hope that the, the pace continues to improve with your, um, you know, consistent running and your keto adaptation. So, yes. All right. Well, this has been good. What do you say we move along to our runner girl recommends? Great. All right. Katie, what is your recommend this week? My recommend this week is Gap Fit Clothing. Um, This is something that I have just recently discovered because, I don't know, with a lot of stores, they kind of go in style and out of style and in style. And Gap has completely redesigned their athletic line and rebranded it as Gap Fit really high quality stuff really thick tights compression tights because I hate that you think oh I'm getting such a good deal and then they're so thin it's just you know what purpose is that going to serve so great stylish lots of varieties of colors and right now online they're having 20% off your entire order including clearance and already sale merchandise so check it out really highly recommend this stuff and if you live near a gap outlet even better i went on some president's day shopping excursions this weekend <laughs> and they were having 50 percent off of everything so i got oh a, my goodness yeah it was great i got a new pair of um compression capris running capris because my old ones have a hole in them where i fell the other day <laughs> Um, So I got a new pair for 20 bucks and a running tank for $5. Nice. That's nice. Yes. Yeah. So check it out if you're in the uh, market for some new running attire. They've got a really great selection, quality pieces, and right now you can get them on sale for good prices. Awesome. Uh, Yeah, the only athletic clothing I remember from the Gap was like yoga pants you right. know like I don't remember actual running clothes so that's really cool and I'm looking at the website and they have a tank top that is the perfect royal blue for my Supergirl costume so there you go I might have to head over to the Gap soon <laughs> awesome well great recommend Katie thank you 
And Megan, what is your recommend this week? My recommend is a new favorite recipe that even Brad likes. And if you've been following the show for a while, you probably know that one of the biggest things I talk about is how picky Brad is as an eater and how he doesn't like vegetables or this or that. And it's a um, chicken broccoli casserole. That's a healthy version of it made with yogurt and brown rice instead of some of the usually fattening, super fattening stuff. And it's a really good recipe that we've made a couple of times already. It's amazing. It's amazing. (laughs) I even uh, let kids try it at work because they're um, beggars, all of them. Middle school kids are. And they liked it. So there's a link. It's from a blog called mealsandmovesblog.com. And I haven't actually looked at any other part of the blog because I got the recipe from Pinterest. (laughs) And so this is the only part because I keep going back to it every time we want to cook it. Mm -hmm. And it's really good. It's creamy and it's not really heavy. It's healthy-ish, I feel. And it tastes really good. Is there cheese in it? Yes. Okay. Because cheese is really good. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, That was one thing that I was... Um, thinking about having to drop from my uh, diet when I was doing keto was dairy because I was thinking if that might have been causing my stall but fortunately it wasn't Um, so I could still eat cheese but uh, yeah chicken broccoli casserole that sounds good Um, I'm not a fan of yogurt though I don't know can you taste the yogurt or no no because usually the casseroles have um, sour cream yeah, I also don't like that. The, and it's um to just meld it together. Yeah. And so you can't taste that it's got non-fat Greek yogurt in it, which adds the extra protein. It's just, and it's only a cup of it for a whole pan of um, casserole. You mix it all together and it binds it together so you don't have clumps of rice falling apart. Right. <laughs> awesome. Chicken broccoli casserole from mealsandmovesblog.com. And my recommend this week is the website that I use to choose my marathon, which is marathonguide.com. And uh, I really think this is a great way to decide which races you're going to do because in addition to telling you you know all about um, the race and the course and uh, all the usual stuff you get through the registration websites um, it also includes reviews from people who have run the races and they'll rate it on a number of factors including like fan support and um, you know race support and the course like how the course was Um, and they'll they'll tell you in in excruciating detail like how their race went what they liked about it what they didn't like how the course felt and so you'll know just from reading a few reviews like oh is this going to be a tough course for me how did they the race providers do with like maintaining and having um, aid and whatnot so um, I really like marathonguide.com as a way to get an idea of what race was going to suit me and I definitely recommend it to people who are looking to try out some new races around them so that is my recommend and up next we have run a girl of the week our Runner Girl of the Week is Karina 
from South Boise and she ran three miles in 27 minutes. Nice. And she says, easy short run and I missed the rain. Long run tomorrow, gonna start incorporating food and drink. Hope I don't upset my stomach. And I chose her for two reasons. One, because she missed the rain, which is always an awesome feeling. And she said she did an easy short run in like 27 minutes, three miles. (laughs) That's one day that'll be me. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, one thing that I noticed about when I was reading through the Hanson's Marathon Method book, it tells you um, what paces to train at based on what time you hope to finish. And I was kind of going off of um, what paces I've been training at my long runs at and what I think I could do, um, basically what my ideal half marathon times and whatnot. So um, I figured aiming for somewhere between five hours and five and a half hours. But according to all the, like, the training paces, if you are training for a five-hour marathon and all your training runs, you're going to ultimately be pacing yourself for running a 5k at 30 minutes so I was like oh well then maybe my two goals will just happen to work out together (laughs) (laughs) so I just thought that was really interesting but yeah that's uh three miles and 27 minutes as an easy run that kind (laughs) of that's something to aspire to huh yeah so great job Karina you are our runner girl of the week and up next we have scavenger hunt so as we mentioned on our last episode we are discontinuing the scavenger hunt it just turned out to be a lot of work with very little participation and not something that people could really enjoy while they were listening to the show so um before we move on to what's next for our listener participation aspect of the show um i just wanted to say that um, we were, a few weeks ago, we were offered a free sample of energy bits to give to a listener, and we thought this is the perfect way to close out the scavenger hunt segment to kind of give a prize to the listener who pretty much participated damn near every week of the scavenger hunt, took multiple photos each week, and she put all of the photos into a collage I I want to say almost every week that we did the scavenger hunt and all of the photos will eventually be up on the website so we want to give a prize of an energy bit sample to Tammy Cubis so thank you so much Tammy for keeping the scavenger hunt going and for she's not the only one who did we got uh, participation from several other listeners and we've uh, definitely enjoyed the photos so thanks to Teresa thanks to Lauren thanks to Deborah and um, I know I'm forgetting a ton of people and I apologize but thanks to everybody who participated and kept it going and it was it was a lot of fun and if anybody wants to go check out those photos they are all going to be on the website at runnergirlspodcast.com slash scavenger hunt so they'll all be up for every week that we did the challenge they are not all currently up but hopefully by the end of the week they will be 
And I just want to say for uh, about the energy bits um, that those are only available at energybits.com and Jonathan, their brand manager, has shared with me that he would be happy to connect anyone with a current ambassador to share a discount on a bag of bits and you can email him at jlevitt at energybits.com and I know the ambassador that I've gone through was Teresa. I actually just ordered a couple more samples for myself because I, I wanted to give those energy bits another shot. I, I enjoyed one of my last long runs on those. So so yeah, if you are interested in checking them out, email jlovett at energybits.com or you can hit up Teresa at neonismycolor.com. It's either neonismycolor.com or neonismycolor.blogspot.com. But either way, we'll put the link in the show notes. And so we loved getting the scavenger hunt photos from the listeners, but as I said, it wasn't the best way to encourage listener participation for an audio podcast, so we are introducing a new addition to Runner Girls Podcast, the Runner Girls Hotline. You can now call our new voicemail line and tell us about a run that you had or a race that you ran, and we will share it on a special hotline episode on the podcast feed. So as you girls might have noticed, we didn't record a new show last week and from time to time we have we have lives and we have to take a week off from the show. But when we get these runs from you guys in the form of voicemails, you call and tell us about your runs, we can collect all these, we can put them together and we can put a show out of our runs and everybody can listen and enjoy listening to others runs Um, I'm including my runs as well maybe not every single one of them but I have several runs already that I have recorded (laughs) uh, little blurbs about and so those will also be included on the first hotline episode and yeah I encourage everybody uh, if you have a great race or a run that you want to complain about maybe something interesting happened that you want to tell us about definitely call the hotline the number is 206-337-4715 so you will get to hear how other runner girls and guys are getting through their runs and we will get to share our race moments as they happen oh and just so you know if you call this number no one will ever answer it will always go to voicemail it may tell you that you can leave a fax don't do that (laughs) but (laughs) leave a message after the beep it's 206-337-4715 and your message will be shared with the runner girls audience on a future standalone episode all right time for feedback Our first piece of feedback is an email from Julia, and she says, Hi, runner girls. After a winter hiatus, I'm 100% back into running. I'm going on day 11 of what I'm hoping will be a long-lasting streak. I've caught up on the podcast, and I really want to get back into the scavenger hunt. Uh Attached (laughs) are photos of my favorite neon shirt. In full disclosure, I design the t-shirts every year for the Lindsay run, including this one, LOL, and also a photo of a field. I snapped a shot while running a 5K today. It was my first outdoor run of the year, and I realized how hard the transition from treadmill to road can be, especially with the cold and hills. I had your podcast playing on this run, which was awesome. I'm so thankful to you girls for taking the time and effort to produce a podcast and motivate your listeners. As a side note, I update my run keeper and map my run religiously, but had a hard time sticking with Daily Mile. Do you ladies use either of those apps? Mm, I don't. I use Run Meter and Daily Mile. 
Yeah, I'm pretty much solely a Nike Plus runner anymore. Yeah, I have Nike Plus, which I use if my watch isn't charged, which it hasn't been at all lately. <laughs> I'm not even sure if I can it is how spacey I've been. And other than that, I just put it into Daily Mile if I remember to track in Daily Mile. Plus, we have like hundreds of Daily Mile friends now, so it's... I'm I'm already like ingrained into the daily mile as my um method of logging my runs. I use my watch now more than I use run meter, honestly, because I don't wanna have to deal with first of all draining my iPhone battery and second of all like I don't know if it's as accurate as the watch is. So it takes me quite a while to find a signal, but after that happens then I'm good with the watch, so so that's what I've been using. But I do have Map My Run, and I usually use it to find um, race courses. So that's what I use it for. But I don't like I don't use it for logging my runs. But you're welcome to add me, Julia. I'll include my um, my username in the show notes. I don't know what it is offhand, but feel free to add me. I don't use it very often though. All right. Up next, we have an email from Rachel in Texas, and she says. Hey, Runner Girls, thank you for making me Runner Girl of the Week. I feel that I can relate to each of you in some way because I am a non traditional 28 year old married student at the University of Texas in Austin working on my degree in mathematics for teaching in high school. Y'all are starting to kind of scare me about teaching, so I'm thankful that I'm getting my degree in math instead of education, so I have a backup plan. I started to listen to your show late this summer when I started running, but by November I lost my motivation to run. After Christmas passed, I decided I needed to start working out again and running was something I enjoyed. Once I reached Season 3, I started listening to episodes almost back to back until I finally caught up today. Y'all are the ones that inspired me to sign up and train for my first half marathon which is on April 12th. I just finished the third week in my 12 week training plan and I'm feeling really good about it. I'm scared of the half course because I knew that it was hilly but didn't realize how hilly until after I signed up. It is a 10% steady incline for the first three miles. The good news is what goes up must come down. The bad news is that there is a monster hill of 15% incline from mile 10 to 11. That is why I am pushing myself hard now so I don't die during the race. I have caught the running bug because I am already dreaming about future half and full marathons. I will definitely let you girls know how my half goes when it comes. Will you all be doing another listener show in the spring? I will keep listening as long as y'all are still recording, so keep up the great work with running and the podcast. It is so unnatural for me to say y'all. <laughs> I'm like, how do I say that word? <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, I absolutely want to continue to do listener shows. I like to um, save those for the end of the racing season, so like the end of the spring at the beginning of the summer that'll be a great time to do another listener show because most people will have done their spring races by then and then again at the end of the fall because then fall racing season will be coming to a close i just want to make sure everybody has a chance to do each race that they want to do for the season um and i know we only get like four people each episode anyway but um i feel like that's a good time to do it because it's kind of closing out the end of our training seasons as well so, um, but yeah, definitely check in with us at the end of the spring and let us know how your half marathon went and good luck with those hills. If it's anywhere near you, I say go out and start running those particular sections of the course now if you can get used to them. That'd be good. 
Our last little bit of feedback comes uh, from Sandy, who posted on our wall at facebook.com slash podcast. And Sandy writes, Hello, ladies. Wondering if everyone suffers leg cramps after their halves. Driving home from races can be a challenge with inner thigh Charlie horses. <laughs> Tried adding electrolytes to my water during my run without a difference. Any thoughts? Anyone else? How do you handle it aside from standing or walking for hours post-run? I just completed my second half yesterday. Um, I think really that's pretty much the best you can do, right? Is just to try to keep moving around so that you don't get as sore. Unfortunately, I probably am going to be feeling your pain, Sandy, after my first half in March because I'll be driving back from Kentucky right after I run the half. So I'll be in the car for about seven and a half, eight hours after running the half. Yeah. Yeah. Go go ahead. I was just trying to think because I just did that in November after um, I didn't have as much of the thigh pain. I had a lot of back pain, Mm -hmm. which is only exacerbated, exacerbated by sitting in the car for me. Mm -hmm. So I bought the heat therapy patches that you put next to your skin and your skin heats them up and they become a heating pad and ibuprofen <laughs> I don't know if that's helpful but that's what helped me yeah definitely I'm, I'm planning on taking a couple of of ibuprofen at the end of the race and turning my seat warmer on even if it's hot that day my seat warmer will be on my big thing is kind of like knee stiffness it really feels like my legs just yes. get really stiff after running races um so that's that's my biggest challenge, not necessarily the the Charlie horses. And you were agreeing with that, Sue? Yeah, I get more of the joint pain that you, mm-hmm. that you get, Katie. Um, you know, and I I tip that's probably because I typically get it during the run itself, and then I'm stiff afterward. Um, of course, I haven't had any joint pain so far in training on any of my long runs. Knock on wood, um, but. The only time I had actual muscle cramping was during pregnancy, and that was because, um, like you mentioned, Sandy, uh, it was an electrolyte issue. I wasn't getting enough magnesium, potassium. The baby was stealing it all. Um, so, you know, if you're already adding that to your to your um, water, I don't know if, if there's anything else you can do because it's not something that you can really load up on ahead of time. Um, the only other thing that I would recommend is is if you have compression socks, wear those during and after your race. Um, mm-hmm. I found that when I wear the compression socks during my long runs, I am way less sore afterward. I did a six-mile long run with Amy wearing my compression socks and felt perfectly fine after. And then um, the next week, I did another. I did a six-and-a-half-mile run by myself and didn't wear my compression socks, and I was sore the rest of the day. So I don't know if that was um, because of a change in terrain or if you know maybe the maybe the compression thing is all in my head but I swear every time I've worn them during a race I felt much better afterward than the races where I didn't wear them so um, if you have them you know try them um, see if it helps you uh, I know Katie you like to wear compression socks just for recovery right yeah, I usually put mine on post-race. Um, I have done a couple of long runs in them, but for me, they get really tight around the top of my leg where I have bigger calves, so I feel almost like it's 
too restrictive during the race, but I've definitely noticed a difference in recovery, a positive difference in recovery when I wear them post-race. So, yeah, that's something else that she can try then. Uh, other than that, I don't know as far as... I, I never had a problem with Charlie horses, though. So. Yeah, that's me either. So, if any of our listeners have a solution for Sandy, definitely write in and let us know, and we will share that, too. All right, so I think that's it for this episode of Runner Girls, and my quote for this week is... Don't compare your beginning to someone else's middle. And that's by John Acuff. And I don't know if we've done this one before. I feel like we should have because I know I'm guilty of kind of comparing myself with others, usually in a way of using others as inspiration. Um, but it, it's it's easy to kind of get frustrated with not being where you want to be um, pace-wise or distance-wise or... Um, uh, whatever in any way so it's it's a nice reminder to think that remember that everybody had to start somewhere and just because somebody is in a different position than you doesn't mean that you're not going to get there at some point so um, just kind of remember to run your own race that's what I remember every time I'm out doing a race and somebody's coming up on me and, and passing me. I'm just like, I, part of me is like wanting to pick up the pace and then the other parts of me, part of me is like, nope, this is your race. Run the pace that you decided to run. So um, so that's just another uh, example of not comparing yourself to somebody else. Yeah, totally agree with that quote, Sue. I think it's so easy for us to get caught up in comparing ourselves to others. But especially when you're a runner, you just you, you want to remember that you need to compare your race to your previous races, not anybody else's. Mm-hmm. And it's funny because um, so often when I listen to other podcasts, running podcasts, and uh, there are people who run much faster than I am, they're complaining (laughs) that they're slower than somebody else. So um, everybody, there's always going to be somebody faster than you, you know, unless Mm -hmm. you're Usain Bolt. (laughs) Right. (laughs) In which case you're not listening to this anyway. So Yeah. (laughs) And if you are, write us. All right. uh, Katie, you want to close this out? Absolutely. That is it for episode 25 of season three. Join us next time when we will be talking about exercise-induced incontinence. If you have any comments, you can email us at runnergirlspodcast at gmail.com, follow us at facebook.com slash runnergirlspodcast, or tweet to us at runnergirlsshow on Twitter. All episodes will be available at runnergirlspodcast.com and on iTunes. Thanks for listening. Now go outside and run.